It's time to feel better with help from Dr. Suzanne Bennett. Allergies, nutrition, ultimate wellness, all discussed right here, right now. It's Wellness for Life Radio on Radio MD. Here's your host, Dr. Suzanne. Today we are going to talk about stroke, actually recovery after stroke. And our next guest is, his mother actually has gone through that. And then what ended up happening is that she wrote a book about the experience, not about exactly what happens, you know, in stroke situations. I don't mean mean the physiology and the medicine and medical aspect, but I'm talking about what the, what happens to the person, person internally and how they have to deal with it. Um, And strokes are very different for each individual. It's very, very um, uh, unique and personalized uh, experience, but it could be that a lot of people would feel the exact same way. So we've got Danny Zuckerman here. He's a co-founder of Three Box, a peer-to-peer social network that helps people create more meaningful connections and communities. But we're going to also talk about the book that Deborah Meyerson, his mother, has has written. It's called Identity Theft, Theft, Identity Theft, Rediscovering Ourselves After Stroke. Thanks so much for being here, Danny. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So let's talk about the story, the backstory about your mother, when it happened, what happened. And apparently what I understood is she was actually a a, a doctor, a professor at a university. Yeah, she was. She was a professor at Stanford University. Uh, her work spanned a number of different schools, but focused on diversity, inclusion, uh, gender issues, and identity. She had written a book called Tempered Radicals about uh, a number things, but in part, uh, what happens when one person's identity and who they feel like their true self is is different than who they are at work or the culture of work and how to uh, make those two fit together and enact change. Uh, and in 2010, she suffered a pretty massive stroke, uh, actually a series of strokes that did a lot of damage to her physical abilities and also wiped out quite a bit of her speech and ability to express herself. Um, so this was about nine years ago now. And in the aftermath of that, she found physical recovery extremely difficult. The emotional trauma also very difficult. There were quite a few resources to help with those two pieces. Um, but what she struggled with the most is she felt like the stroke took away a huge piece of who she was before. In particular, she cared deeply about her work and couldn't go back to work. She lost her tenure about three years after stroke, uh, and that was a pretty devastating blow for her. And she was finding herself grappling with the kind of questions around what she was supposed to pursue now and who she was now, um, the same person because she still felt the same internally or different because, um, you know, what she was able to do in the world was quite different and how people saw her was quite different. Um, and there were very few resources for her to think through these issues. Uh, and when she mentioned them, the other stroke survivors, they felt similarly uh, at a loss to grapple with some of these. And so about five years ago, she decided to put some of her expertise as a social scientist to use um, and to help her answer this question and to help create a resource for other stroke survivors or anyone going through uh, or just life changes um, to think about what something like a stroke that really changes who you are, um, how to grapple with that. And so she mm. began writing the process of writing about five years ago. I joined as a co-author a couple of years ago and the book's coming out this week. That's fantastic. Fantastic. You know, um, often we write books and our experiences um, after we've had some kind of trauma. Uh, I actually had a head injury in about nine years ago, 
uh, around the same time your mom had. And uh, that injury took me to a point where I thought I was going to have to retire myself. And it was such a severe blow to my head that I just couldn't think. And although I didn't have any kind of symptoms as your mom has experienced, uh, I ended up having neurological symptoms and cognitive dysfunction. And that's that's a really scary situation. And um, I was super scared not to even share that with my my family and my my friends and and with my um with my patients because I thought boy I'm gonna have to stop working then and uh, for your mother it was obviously it was a series of it and it and it happened uh, little by little and then all of a sudden she was not able to if I understood correctly half it was a hemiplegic half of her body was she was not able to move and she could not speak right those were that was basically the gist of what happened to her. Um, and how is she today, nine years later? I mean, she's written a book already. So where is she at today? Yeah, you know, I always struggle to answer that question. Um, so in some ways, she's great. Uh, we've kind of adjusted to what we think of as the normal. She's in good spirits. She's extremely excited that the book is coming out. Um, there's ways in which she feels happier than she ever did because she's found perspective on things that I think she didn't have before. Um, and uh, she's very happy and comfortable and stable medically. At the same time, she walks with a limp. She has no functional use of her right arm, and she has pretty extreme aphasia, which is, uh, in her case, in particular, the ability to express herself. So speech is still very limited. Um, and so there's uh, still quite, um, you know, a, a lot of physical deficit left from the stroke, and it's very apparent when you meet her. So I don't think anybody expects her to make a full physical recovery in the way that we uh, hoped, but she's really recovered what she thinks of as a very full life, and that's the important thing. Absolutely, and she's living life, doing all the things that she does want to do, uh, you know, regarding, regarding aphasia, um, but her brain is functioning optimally, and she's able to communicate in other ways, I'm sure. Um, I have a patient who actually has Lou Gehrig's disease, and there's this machine that uses his eye, uh, and he can't he can't talk at all. And he it's an it's a computer that tracks the eye movement and can actually have a vocal um, vocal it vocalizes almost like an AI, you know what I mean? And uh, it's been really wonderful for his ability to communicate with other people. What I understood is that also um, writing the book. Your mother has interviewed interviewed more than 50 people for the book. Can you explain that a little bit and why she did that? Yeah. So when she was first starting to write the book, she knew she wanted to create a resource to help other people and that her story would be a centerpiece of that. But she didn't want to write a book about herself. She wanted to write a more general book. And she also knew from her experience meeting other stroke survivors that every stroke is different. So her story would share a lot of similarities, as you said in your intro, with other stroke survivors, but also be very different in other ways. So it's important for her to talk to others who had suffered different kinds of stroke at different ages from different backgrounds and genders and income levels, and to hear what their experience was like recovering from stroke and thinking through challenges around their identity. Um, and so we go to a lot of um, effort in the book to explore some of the common things that anyone um, recovering from a stroke or trauma can learn. Also explore some differences, um, both in terms of the attitudes that people can have towards their stroke recovery, the different kinds of aphasia and disabilities and um, 
just kind of all of the different um, aspects of having a stroke and how they can vary because, you know, as one of the survivors says, with brain injury, a millimeter to the left or right can be the difference between life and death or lots of damage or no damage or the injuries being internal or external. Um, and so there's so much variety to explore. And so my mom and Sally uh, Collings, who was initially a co-author and a primary researcher on the book, interviewed dozens and dozens of stroke survivors and caregivers to really understand the, the breadth of different experiences people had gone through. Mm, got it. Got it. Uh, you know, I'd say that what, whenever I read books like this about um, major, major traumas or experiences, the thing that I get the most is about the inspiration. I get so much inspiration on um, the resiliency of someone's desire to become better, to to live, to fight, to um, you know figure it out and get to the root cause of the issue or whatever it is. The inspiration is what I get out of it. And is that what also your mom mom got from speaking to so many people about having a stroke? Absolutely. Uh, I think you know the book got its start in a number of ways. Um, if anybody who knows my mom knows that she is strong and persistent and and the book initially was a bit to prove to herself and to others that she could still do it. Um, she had lost her tenure and was looking to show that she could still create and share knowledge and do something like write a book. But I think that it was a tough process and took a long time. And the thing that really inspired the perseverance and the commitment to get it done and to make it great was meeting all of the other stroke survivors and hearing their stories and hearing that they wanted their story to be shared and also here they were all learning from each other and so it was really uh their involvement that i think pushed the book to get completed and to become the resource that it became in the end right and it's more than just this resource the book but because you guys have also started the nonprofit initiative uh this is the stroke-forward.org is that was that is that the um website am i correct on that Yep, that's right. Um, so before the book came out, my uh, my mom, Deborah, and dad, Steve, um, they've been doing a lot of stroke advocacy and awareness work, um, you know, both before the book and around the book as it comes out. And so all proceeds um, from the book um, will go towards that. Um, and the name comes from one of the key themes that we as a family and my mom in particular have learned talking, you know, through our experience and also talking to many others, one of the most important things in recovery is to keep looking forward, um, to not look back at the deficit that, you know, your old life to the current life and your current abilities to your old abilities, but rather to be in the present and to look forward towards how to create a meaningful life and to see recovery not as working back to what you were, but rather to build to the most meaningful life you can now and always keeping um, yourself focused on the future rather than the past. And so that's where the name Stroke Forward comes from. And that's where the advocacy work, um, you know, behind that organization would be focused. Mm, I love what the whole meaning of that is, uh, because I'm, I'm a big believer that going forward is one of the keys to success in life. Uh, you know, I, I just was talking to one of my, some of my good friends the other day about, um, my collection of frogs. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about frogs right now, Danny, because, you know, frogs, I learned from eighth grade and eighth grade, we did a dissection of frogs in my bio, our biology class. 
And what I learned, which was super, made I mean, a big impact on me, such an impression because to this day at, four, at 57, I still talk about it. And that frogs do not have the physical muscular structure or, or skeletal structure to jump backwards. Every part of their body muscularly and neurologically only pushes them forwards. Isn't that amazing? So at that time at eighth grade, I actually had that idea of, wow, I do not want to look back. Cause I, I, I was brought up from a really crazy place. I'm Korean, lived a really, um, really hard life, you know, in Korea. Part of it is, is, um, my family life and all that, but I don't look back on that. I mean, I, I love my family and everything like that, but, but that, that little, um, just like a life lesson for me was huge. So in my life, it's all about moving forward. My life was looking at what can I do to make things better? What can I do to improve myself? What can I do to learn from this experience and move on? And that's exactly what your mom is talking about and, and what you guys have produced here today. How amazing. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, I love that uh, fact about frogs. I hadn't heard that before. I have a tradition with my mom that goes back about 12 years of getting her as a present, a really corny animal figurine for her desk. And I think a frog's going to have to be the next one now. Yeah, do that. Absolutely. I've got frogs everywhere. I've got frog pins and rings and statues outside. And it's just a reminder. It's a little talisman that reminds us what, where we're going and what it's all about. <laughs> That's great. I hope she enjoys that. <laughs> so what's really also was interesting is that your mother that who's an expert on identity, right? In her teachings at Stanford, she actually wrote about her own identity, the loss of her identity. What besides writing and doing what she's doing right now, can you give any um, insight of what she had to do, like really had to do, focus on to start healing and recovering from um, so much of that, her identity being being stolen away? Yeah, and this is one of the most interesting parts of the book, both the, the book itself and the reading experience of it. I think the key was, um, you know, she felt like a lot of who she was before had been taken away. And that was her job as a professor. It was her, uh, she thought of herself as an athlete. She was very, very active running and skiing. That's always been a big part of our family. Um, very independent woman um, and mother and wife. And when you have a disability, the disabilities that come with a severe stroke, you become less independent. And so all these things were taken away. And what she had to do and what so many other survivors find themselves having to do is to dig underneath those descriptions of who they thought they were before and uncover the, the value, the thing they really cared about um, that sat underneath what, uh, what those descriptors were. And so what she found, for example, was that, you know, in being, she loved being a professor. She really valued that. But what she really cared about was creating and sharing knowledge with other people. Um, she loved teaching. She loved sharing. Um, and so she's found another way to put that into reality through this book. Um, she's come to, she can't ski quite as actively or effectively anymore, but she has worked hard to get back to skiing. Uh, she can't ride a bike on her own, but she and my dad do tandem bike riding. And so finding ways to, um, build the values that you care most about, even if they're in different ways has been extremely important to her. And that was a theme we saw over and over in talking to other survivors is um, trauma becomes a moment for reflection and gaining perspective. 
And so in some ways, many survivors actually find that their life is a bit more focused on the things they care about than it was before, that the trauma knocks them off of the rat race or the kind of do the things that everybody else is doing or that they found themselves in without thinking. Now they have to think a bit more deeply about how to do the things they care most about. And so that can, in some ways, lead to a more full, more meaningful life. Of course, mm-hmm. more frustrating life at the same time, but it really is an opportunity to dig deep and understand what you care most about. You know, what I found after the head injury for myself was that, you know, just like your mother changing, you're just replacing one type of activity from another that's just as exciting and fun. You know, I used to be a surfer. I live in in California, Southern Cal, and I now do stand-up paddling. I'm still in the ocean, and I'm still on a board, but I I do stand-up paddling rather than surfing. Because surfing, definitely, if you were to be, you know, hit by a wave, that can clearly give you another whiplash or um, the strength of the the water can affect the the neck. And I had head and neck injury, so I was I'm you know I've got to prevent myself from from getting hurt again because that can take me to another level where I'm going to definitely have to retire. And and I stopped snowboarding. You know I was athletic just like your mom, and I had to stop snowboarding. But I use snowshoeing instead because I love being in the mountains and and the snow as well. So there's a lot of different things that we can do and different type of activities. And I think that what's exciting is that you try something new. And I'm sure that's what your mom's doing, uh, trying different things, new things to bring more joy into your life. And that's all it takes. It really takes that. Instead of, you know, being upset and frustrated and sad about what I don't have, you know, what I can't do, it's like, oh, I can do that, right? And I think that's what your mom's doing now. She's finding that part yeah. and she's been doing it. I can do that too. Let me try that. It's something I've never tried, but let me try that, right? Yeah, I think your experience is so spot on. And it's, you know, accepting that there are new limitations, and that's always going to be true for us as we go through life. Things will change. Um, But not focusing on those limitations compared to what we had before, but rather focusing on the things that we still can do in those new experiences. And so I think you're exactly right there. Right. You know, also, science is incredible right now. The, you know, the information on neuroplasticity and our ability to to make new nerve cells. And um, and I don't know what type of therapy she's doing, but there's also a really exciting area of stem cells and exosomes and things like that. I don't know if your mom is going into that to see if she can continuously recover and heal a, a large part of her brain. Yeah, it is incredible. Some of the things that She's been um, not long after her stroke. I think about a year after she participated in an experimental um, program on melodic intonation therapy, basically using melody and song to unlock speech because um, speech and song actually happen in different parts of the brain. And so, even if your speech is out, you might be able to recover some of it by exercising a different portion of brain. Um, she was part of a stem cell experiment as well. I think we actually don't know if she was part of the control group of the group that got stem cells. But there's such a fascinating amount of research and advancement happening and so much still unknown about the brain, which can be scary, but also, you know, as you said, uh, massive improvements in understanding are unlocking things that weren't possible just a few years ago. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm a big believer. You just keep on searching and digging deeper and, and use, utilizing some of these, as long as it doesn't hurt her, or as long as it doesn't 
um, cause more uh, disability. There are so many other ways that we, we're not even, you know, um, we don't even know. There's so many different levels that you just got to find it. There's different scientists and different doctors that have different types of techniques. And I really, really am excited to uh, hear that, you know, if your mom is going to continue on her search for helping herself and and continuing on striving um, to better her recovery, I think that will be amazing. Um, also in your stroke-forward.com, uh, .org, stroke-forward.org website, what else can we see uh, there that will help stroke victims? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is still actually on um, the book website. If you go to identitybook.org, um, which is related, there's links back and forth, um, you can see a lot of survivor stories, um, some of which are in the book, others are not. Um, and it's a growing community of survivors helping each other and trading stories and tips. Um, also a growing set of resources to some of the best content we've found to help stroke survivors. And again, uh, not just stroke survivors, but anyone wrestling with trauma or other life changes um, and thinking about how to, you know, reshape their identity. Um, and so there's a fascinating amount of work in this and um, experts from a lot of different places creating great content. And we're trying to bring that all together in one place. Great. Can you give that uh, website again? Identitytheft.org. Is that correct? It's identitytheftbook.org. There you go. Good. I just, I, there was a little glitch there. I wanted to hear that last word. Identitytheftbook.org. Thank you so much, Danny, for sharing your mother's story. Uh, the information that's really important. Identity Theft, Rediscovering Ourselves After, After Stroke is the book. You can go to identitytheftbook.org for more information about the book that's coming out. And then the website stroke-forward.org. And that's the support and a system as an, and a nonprofit where you can get a lot more information if you or your loved one is suffering from um, a stroke. Thanks so much. Wow. You know, if you've been listening to the show and you know someone who actually has experienced a stroke or you've got a family uh, or yourself have dealt with this, you know, this is super valuable information. Please share it and, and with your loved ones and uh, continue to go and strive for doing better in your life and, and leading the best life you can. Now, this, this is your first time listening in. Make sure to subscribe so I can continue to serve you with the most current natural health information available today. And connect it with me on the social media, especially Instagram and Facebook. And I'm, I'm post regularly about how you can be the best version of yourself. And if you need me to help you dig deeper with your health issues, I work with people all around the world. So, so we do phone and Skype consultations, and you can get my contact info on my website at drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.